Hello and welcome to episode number four of the Two Footed Tackle Podcast. I'm your co-host Julio Ortiz alongside James. Yo, what's good everybody? Very happy to be with y'all again uh, in another very big week of games everywhere, actually. Um, so normally we have a nice little intro for you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. But we got to get right into it. All right. We're going to get right into it. We got a full docket here. Uh, this Google Sheet's are very long and I can barely read. So <laughs> let's. Uh, what do you think, Hamas? There's too much to talk about. There's too much to talk about. What do you think, Hamas? We get, we're getting right into it? Yeah, let's jump in, bro. All right. Um, first thing, Hamas, you want to lead off? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we're going to jump in right into the Around the Ground segment of our show. And as of uh, recording, we just finished watching the Chelsea v. Liverpool game. We have some things to talk about. Oh, some things that we thought we might not talk about um, regarding Chelsea, especially this season after everything that they've kind of been through in the transfer window. But uh, here we are. Here we are. And I think uh, for me, my first bullet point is Keppa in all caps. Oh, God. I don't. I don't know how much longer we can sit here and talk about Keppa, man. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, okay, so from this, from watching this game, again, I'm not a Chelsea fan, but this game made me physically angry because <laughs> it sucks watching a team that talented make the same mistakes as last season. And I guess you could attribute it to the defensive struggles that they've been dealing with since last year that they either haven't fixed or they're still on their way to fixing. And I don't know, man. I, as Christensen with a, a very bad foul right at the end of the half when Chelsea were actually looking pretty solid. Like, I, I think they were looking up for it, especially against Liverpool. Um but it it just wasn't it just wasn't meant to be for them. Uh, very big error on the part of Christensen, and then yeah, Kepa in all caps. Uh, I actually have kind of a hot take on that Christensen tackle, if you don't mind. Mm, okay, 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 go for it. I was actually kind of holding on to this because I wanted to be you know fresh for when we record. Gotcha, gotcha. So let's go into the mindset of Christensen, shall we? Uh, so you go from last year and all the defensive struggles that they had, and all the defensive issues they have with Keppa, and you carry that over into this season. And Thiago Silva's not playing at this game. I can't remember if he's injured or what exactly the story was. He just wasn't ready to play for Chelsea at this point. Mm-hmm. So you get on a 1v1 situation, and Liverpool plays in a wonderful ball to Mane. So you got Mane 1v1 with Keppa. Now you're Christensen you'll have a very small window to try and end this attack. Right. So the only choice that you have is if I can't make this tackle, I have to rely on Keppa to make this save. Do I want to take that chance? <laughs> so you think Christensen was like, hell no. Nah. Like, I'm not going to leave it up to Keppa. I think I'm going to face this on my own. Kind of, yeah. I mean, like, he couldn't get his... Uh, his feet in front of him to kind of win that ball out from under him, so his only choice was to run into him. I mean, he tried to, like, quote-unquote, like, play it off to make it look, oh, I just ran into him. You know, it wasn't my intention to take him out. But, like, if <laughs> if he left him untouched, you think Kepp would have made that save? I don't think so. 
Well, I don't think he would have made the save against Mane, but Keppa was coming off his line. So, but again, I don't know if Keppa would have reached there because Christensen slowed down Mane enough. So, from the replay, I, I would you could you were kind of able to tell like I think that Keppa was gonna get there, but at the same time, Christensen actually running into Mane helped with helped give Keppa some time to get there. So I don't know. It was kind of it was kind of all over the place, but those are the kinds of things that you kind of hope to see leave Chelsea, especially after that's that was their main thing last season. It was their center backs and it was Keppa. And they've made so many good purchases this season, and it's like the same thing, you know? It's, it's insane. Well, I would I would agree, but I, for my personal opinion, they hire they brought on players in positions they didn't necessarily need because they strengthened their their offense. Their goal production was no doubt it was pretty good. It was pretty up there in terms of like the rest of the big boys in the league. But their defensive struggles continued, and they didn't really strengthen up that much. Aside from Thiago Silva, and is Thiago going to be able to handle all that stuff alongside with Kurt Zuma and Christensen if they swap him in and out? I, I'm not too sure. And, I mean, the the midfielder is supposed to be sitting in front of them is Jorginho and Conte. But Lampard's having Conte play more forward, so he's not you know sitting in front of that back four as much. And Jorginho's too slow to really counteract yeah. on those mm-hmm. uh, those like you know heavy counterattacks that Liverpool's known for. So you get like very slow reactions, and like Chelsea took way too long to get rid of the ball at times because Kurt Zuma got caught out in that second half a bunch, just because he took too long to make a decision, and that you know Gingen press from Liverpool is going to get them on the draw every single time. Right. Yeah. And it's just, and even with I know, and we talked about it in our last time too in our last uh episode what how long is it going to take for these guys to kind of come into their own in this league um and it, i think i think maybe you're seeing a little bit of that like lampard like maybe inexperience i would say as a head coach because just why would you have conte play further up the field you know there was there was yeah. a chance that landed on his feet in the first half that he just didn't he was either looking for someone to pass it to or he didn't want to take it like you could see it like he didn't want to take it and he actually like turned the other way and like passed it back when he had a really good open you know he had some time to get that shot off but it's like why are you playing Conte like that you know it didn't work under sorry uh he didn't really do it that much last season so it's just you know do you do you not trust Havertz to play in that midfield is it is it more of an injury thing because Pulisic was out? You know you don't want Havertz to to play in the mid. I mean I guess Havertz is a winger, right? I mean, he can play wing, but he's more well known as like a center attacking midfielder. Right. Yeah. And then you know the other weird thing that I found is is Werner. He was playing on the left, almost on the left wing or like left kind of attacking middle, um, which he was getting some great. He was he was picking up some great. Uh, spots and spaces in the field especially with Fabinho playing at center back yeah um and Werner looked up for it he he was running at him uh he's a lot he's a lot pacier than I thought um yeah he's he's deceptively fast 
Yeah, because you know you think he he has a big frame, he's a big guy, he's not going to be that fast. But he was he was giving he was running at everyone, and he when he picked the ball and he accelerates, it's really cool to see. But on the other hand, you have Havertz who looks so timid out there. He looks, I don't want to say scared, but he looks like he's second guessing everything that he's doing. And I guess that comes from you know him wanting to play well, but you know it you're the record signing of Chelsea and you're going to assume this position that you have to kind of step up to. And I know it's like the second game. He got taken off at the half because of Christensen getting off, but kind of kind of everywhere for Chelsea right now. Yeah, and I think for uh for Kai Havertz in his defense, you take uh you take this kid from Bayer Leverkusen where he's kind of been the majority of his career. And it's, if you think about it, Leverkusen's not really like a high-demand team. It's like, yeah, you're expected to finish the Champions League spots in the Bundesliga, but like you are the number one guy. There's no no expectation necessarily for you to like, you don't have this giant price tag over your head, and you're not labeled as, oh, you're the most expensive signing in our club's history. you got to play. you got to play well as soon as you get here. Because, I mean, it's time and time again you have all these guys come into the Premier League and they're not used to the physicality of, like, the defenders and, like, the mm-hmm. pace of the game. And, like, he he still looks like a deer in the headlights because he has this massive, massive weight on his, on his shoulders now. He's like Atlas out there. So I think it's going to take him a good chunk of time to get adapted to the league. But I think uh, for Lampard, he's going to have to rely on Mason Mount to be his creative midfielding choice. Um, and like another name that did not come up today was, uh, Hakeem Zayek. He wasn't on the bench. He didn't start. I can't, I didn't know if he was hurt. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see anything about that. Uh, as far as like the injury reports or anything like that, he might just, I, I don't know. Lampard might just not think that he's ready or that, I don't know. He might, he might, he might be injured. He might be, he, he might not be fully fit, but, um, definitely a, a big miss. And that's. Maybe that's why he did play Conte in a more advanced role because he didn't have Zayek. Um, it almost looked like Havertz for the first half was trying to play as like a like a false nine ish. He like took up the the center forward spot while while Werner was playing on the left and then Mount was kind of on the on the right. Um, but I think Zayek is a big missing piece. I think he's he's where you're gonna get those. Um, those like riskier passes, those riskier balls that you you have to take the risk, but it also might be a big payout because you have Werner on the end of him, um, who is a proven goal scorer in in big games and Champions League games and in the Bundesliga. Um, but yeah, I, I I didn't really see anything with with Zayek as far as you know what what his deal is, uh, and then also I mean Pulisic is in, injured, so he obviously didn't have. Um, him at his disposal. Yeah, I think they really missed him out there, actually. Yeah. Not having Pulisic out there on that left-hand side to receive the ball, constantly put that pressure. You know, what do you made a difference against, you know, top-level fullbacks like Robertson or Trent Alexander-Arnold? I mean, I don't know. He did last like, year. Because yeah, it was one of the last games of last season, right? Yep, he came, he came in, he subbed in, and he took on... Trent Alexander-Arnold, he took on that whole back line and he scored. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I think I think he was he could definitely be up for it, but again, just injury stuff and and Frank trying to work it out to the best of his abilities. But again, I think we we're seeing a little bit of that inexperience from from Lampard right now. Um, yeah, I would I would very much agree. So, I mean, but you're also playing Liverpool, so uh, with their pressing, the way they pass, the, their ability to to for Henderson, I mean, to kind of Henderson made that pass that led to to the Christensen red card. Um, so, you know, you're playing, you're playing against a team that has the ability to do that to you, to press you the whole game. And you're still trying to work out how you want to play with these new guys. So it's not, I won't fully blame this on Lampard right now. Um, but it's, it's kind of telling, uh, you know, especially if you're going to have these injury issues throughout the season. Right, and before we jump into Liverpool, this kind of reminds me of a situation in American football of Tom Brady coming up against the New, the New Orleans Saints. It's like you, you expect Tom Brady to kind of jump in and be able to take out somebody like the Saints. But, you know, the Saints is, you know, like one of the best teams in the NFC, which is the exact same situation here, where it's like you expect, you know, Frank Lampard and all these new signings to really, like, you know, shake up the league. But again, like you're facing the best team in the league, and they put you back in your place. So yeah. it's clear to see there's still some growing pains and they haven't had many games to play against each other because you don't know exactly what your new teammates are going to do when the heat's on. So, you know, it's a little bit of give and take and you just got to wait and see. I mean, this is still early on. It's just unfortunate they had to play Liverpool this early. But, right, you know, yeah. it just it really shows Lampard exactly where they're at and what he needs to fix on. Right, yeah, and some, some growing pains for him to go through, definitely. Um, but you need to get Kepa out of there, man. Uh, there's there's reports of um, what's his name, Edward Mendy uh, yes. from Rennes, mm-hmm. uh, coming in for like thirty mil or something like that. I don't really know the quality of that guy, but I would say if you can get Kepa out of there, the sooner the better. I don't know who their backup is right now, but maybe think about playing them <laughs> in uh, your upcoming games. Do they? I don't think it's coming Euro. I think it is. Uh, oh, actually, yeah, I think it is Caballero. But uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I definitely, definitely need to get Kepa in between the sticks. Um. Yeah, you want to talk about uh, Liverpool for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, uh, I just wanted to. Oh, sorry. Uh, before we uh, switch over to to Liverpool, I just wanted to talk about that penalty. It was uh, Timo uh, Timo Werner's really showing his colors here as he fights on you know, the entire Liverpool team in the box, and he wins a penalty. But something struck me as odd, as Jorginho was the one who took the penalty. Did he take the pens last year? Yeah, he did. He was, he he was, did. The, yeah, he was a pen, he's been the pen taker ever since he's gotten there, I think. Um, I find that to be so strange. Was there. Yeah, um, he's usually pretty successful. I didn't see the penalty. I don't know if he just kind of hit it bad or if it was actually a really good save by Allison. Um, it was, it wasn't the greatest penalty because he was aiming to the uh, to the left corner, and it kind of centered off a little bit, so it was a pretty simple save for uh, for Allison. But I mean, I don't understand why you wouldn't let Werner take that because he's a very well known penalty taker, and like that's what you brought him in to do is score goals. Uh, it might be it might be a, like a seniority thing, you know. Uh, yeah, Georgino took them last year, and and Lampard just feels more comfortable with him taking it, maybe. And 
you know, you're kind of new to the club. If you're Werner, I, I don't know. I, I It's not like he's going to go up there and argue with Jorginho, you know, his second start in the team. Right. Because um, that would cause even more mayhem, especially in the press, you know, like yeah, seeing those true. two fight over the penalty. I, I think it was more so because Lampard trusted Jorginho last year and he trusts him again this year. But um, good on Werner to win the penalty. Yeah, it was a good job to win the penalty, but the uh, penalty attempt was pretty poor. I mean, Allison was pretty pretty on his game. He didn't really have that many uh, times where he had to really act that often because they hardly got into their final third. But, you know, it was a good job for Allison to make the save and a good uh, job winning the penalty from Werner. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as Liverpool go, I mean, I'm not going to take too much time on here because, I mean, what's there to say? They, they played really well. They pressed really well. Thiago came in uh, right at halftime, which is I found was very odd. Um, laid a couple good passes, but overall also gave some, some things away. Um, again, he's only been at Liverpool for like a day and a half or something like that. So definitely didn't expect him to, to make an appearance even. Yeah, I mean, he was the one who actually gave the penalty to Chelsea because he swiped at uh, Werner's legs and swept him out inside the box. So he definitely looks shaky. I mean, like you said, he's only been in the system for like a day. So I think literally Klopp's just giving him a, a run just to kind of show him how it's going to be and what he should expect. I mean, he started to grow into his role a little bit more, but you could tell just from the quality of his passes just how good he is going to be. And, like, Klopp's going to have a, some big headaches coming up, picking like, picking out who his midfield three is going to be. Tiago is class, man. Like, he's just... You... How much did they pay for him? Like, 30 mil? Something ridiculous like that? Like, ridiculously low, not high. Yeah, I mean, Rodrigo costed, uh, costed more than he did to go yeah, to Leeds. It, it's, it's... For me, it's... I don't know, maybe the signing of the season. Uh, we'll talk about this a little later when we get into Everton, but um, James Rodriguez is up there for me as well. But You're right. He's he's just like, you know what you're going to get, and he's he plays big games. He's He's been at Barca. He's been at Bayern. He's quality, man. And to get him for only $30 million in like this market is ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. I think, uh, I mean, I... It's again, Liverpool didn't really need to fortify anything because uh, I think in our second episode we talked about how they have one of the most complete teams, only comparable to Bayern. But you know they they got this guy and and they're definitely gonna they're definitely gonna use him to cause even more havoc on the on the league. Yeah, I mean I'd probably give him a little less than a month and like he's gonna be one of those guys you're not gonna be able to take out of the team sheet. Right. Uh, but true. in terms of uh, Liverpool, anything else to say? I mean, that first goal that they scored was just pure class. It was just a great team goal from the front three of Liverpool and this great clinical passing. Second goal was just Kepa being Kepa. But, I mean, after that second goal, you kind of knew it was, it was game over. Right. Uh, I don't really have much to say. Yeah, that's it for me. Cool. Um, we're going to get into some of the more significant results, uh, in the Premier League, um, over these past, well, mainly over this weekend, but over the past couple weeks as well, we're going to analyze some games. Um, first up on the docket is Leeds. 
uh, 14 goals in their first two games. 4-3 loss. Insane. Yeah, 4-3 loss against Liverpool, 4-3 win against Fulham, and they're going to be really good to watch this year. Yeah, I think they're kind of hitting the mark on what everyone's kind of expecting of them this year. Of just coming to this league like red hot. They they look like they're they're up for it. And it looks like I mean, obviously you can see that you're going to have some pretty big defensive issues go out going out through the year. But I mean, if their offense is able to maintain this level of goal scoring quality, I mean, they're going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, and with a with a new team coming into the league, it's you kind of expect those defensive issues. But what's different for them besides having Bielsa is that they have the firepower to kind of win games like they did against Fulham. And I know it's just it's just Fulham. I think Fulham is going to get relegated this year. Um, I agree. But you know, it's I mean, even the Liverpool game. I think they were down four two at one point, and they were still fighting for the four three. So it's. You know, it's it's that the ability to, I mean, outscore, try to outscore your opponents because you know you're going to be defensively weak against probably I would say the top half of the table. You got to make sure you you got some firing power, and that's exactly what they did. Um, you know, and going out and getting Rodrigo, and in just the way that their forwards, their wingers are still playing the same way that they did in the championship under Bielsa. Yeah, and I I would agree. Uh, I love uh, Patrick Bamford coming back into the Prem after having a short time at, I think, Middlesbrough and getting a transfer over to Leeds. I mean, this is his second uh, attempt into the league, and he looks like he's raring to go and prove himself that he belongs in the top league. Um, any of you out there who NYCFC fans, Jack Harrison is one of their top one of their top players. He scored, I think he's already scored two or three goals mm-hmm. this and season already. A couple, too. Uh, I like Rodrigo a lot. Uh, Kilch had a couple of good goals. I mean, they're going to be exciting to watch. I just hope this momentum keeps going for them. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it will. Um, I don't see them slowing down anytime soon. It'll definitely be interesting to see how how they handle um, the bigger teams. Uh, you know, we already saw that they played Liverpool, but you know, how are they gonna how are they gonna play against? Man U and Tottenham, can they keep up this level of quality against those teams? If they can, I think they're going to pull a Sheffield United and, and try to go, you know, maybe top eight. Um, if they can't, I definitely don't think they're they, they're going to get relegated. I think that's kind of on the cards for some other newly promoted teams, but not Leeds. Yeah, no, I, I have a hard time believing that Leeds would get relegated. But, I mean, like you said about Man U, I mean, if... Man U plays like they did uh, yesterday. I I could see them easily beating Man U. Oh yeah. Uh, speaking of, you want to hop into that? Talk about uh, your boys. Uh, no, not really. But go ahead. All right, cool. Let's skip Man United next. On yes. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, unfortunately, we do have to talk about Man United. Um, I don't know where to start. You know. Um. Uh, Pogba bad. De Gea bad, uh, Luke Shaw bad, Lindelof bad. Pogba was really bad, man. I don't, I don't really know what's what to expect of him anymore. He's been he's had such an up and down career at Man U, uh, but he's still a really good, I would say, world class player, world class midfielder. You know, um, 
but he just he just kind of has to like buckle down and like get his things together and, and really go for it um uh, as far as i mean lindelof got ran all over the place yeah um, by zaha and I don't know that center back pairing of Lindelof and and Maguire. I think if you isolate them and you run at them without any help, you can get a shot on goal at the end of whatever sequence you have. I think if you yeah. have a chance of running at them, you have a really good chance of scoring or even getting a shot against De Gea. And De Gea doesn't look too hot, so yeah. yeah. I mean, De Gea is looking just as shaky as he did last year. I think Harry Maguire, he does a lot better. Um, if he has a decent partner at his side as his two, that they communicate well. And their their communication and their partnership hasn't been super great. And I don't know if Lindelof is quite the starting center back that's needed for a team like Manchester United. Uh, our fullbacks, I like Wambasaka. I'll always say I like him. I love the things that he does, which he wasn't even, he didn't even start this game. It was Fosu Mensa. So, yeah, I'm not sure if Bissaka was uh, injured. I, I guess he, I think he was injured, but because I mean, if not, I mean, why would you start Fosimenza over yeah. over the man who can tackle anyone? Right, and Luke Shaw. I mean, the kind of like the parting words of Mourinho was like, you know, if you're gonna honestly keep with Luke Shaw, it's prepare for no one to defend that left handed side, and it's becoming more and more apparent of just how far forward Luke Shaw likes to get. And how exposed you start to look on that side of the field, um, and just like you know, the midfield's kind of looking really shaky still. I mean, Pogba needs to be that leader, it, but it's almost like he doesn't necessarily know what to do when he's not playing well, because like his general attitude toward the game all depends on how he's playing. Like, I mean, if he's playing bad, like he's gonna pull down the rest of the team with him, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it it does. I would agree with that too. It's but again, like you're you're a world class midfielder. You know, you were a, a record signing, you were the most expensive player for a hot minute. I think I don't know, you should be able to get over those mental humps and just being like, I'm not playing well. Okay, let me regroup, let me go back out there for the second half. Because his energy does him and him and Fernandez. Because Fernandez didn't he didn't play too hot. He played some good passes. Um, but you can't leave it all up to him. And I really hope that Man U doesn't become the team that they're like, all right, let's give it to Bruno and he'll do something with it. Right. I don't think I th- they will. Uh, I'm just – I don't think they will just because I, I know they have way more talent up front than, than Bruno. But it seemed this game was like, oh, my God, they're not playing well. So what do we do? Right, and it's just kind of like I, I just don't necessarily think Pogba's the kind of player who can pick up a team and put him on his back. I mean, if he doesn't play well, he gets really frustrated with himself. He, I don't want to say it's like self-centered, but if he's not in it in his own mind, he can't possibly be you know the leader that they desperately need on that field. Because at least with Man United in the past, like the one thing you could rely on is were their captains, like you know, like Rio Ferdinand. Yeah, people uh, that would pick you up. No matter what. Right. And I think that's been the integral piece that's been missing. Because I don't think Pogba is necessarily that kind of a leader. Because, I mean, when he was at Juventus, he wasn't, you know, the leader. He was just, you know, the star in the midfield that you can get the ball to. And he, if he's open, he's taking shots. I mean, when was the last time you heard the term uh, Pogboom? Oh, my God. I haven't <laughs> seen 
a good old-fashioned pog boom in a hot minute, man. Right. So it's like he's had a complete transformation, and people are expecting him to be something that he's not. So, I mean, this definitely goes, you know, further and further into the issues with looking at Manchester United, but, you know, it was just very frustrating to watch them kind of get picked apart by a team like Crystal Palace, who finished in, like, 16th last year, 14th. Yeah, and this is the this is the first time in in Crystal Palace's top flight career that they've won their first two games of the season. Yeah, I so, mean they they look like they're flying high right now. But ooh, is that is that a little is that a little dad joke? Yes, they're the Eagles. Boo. Because they're right. the Eagles. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I mean as far as oh, did you have anything else about Manu? Donny Vandebeek made made his debut and he scored. Do you think he should have started? Uh, 100% he should have started. But mm. at, in Ola's defense, as like a brand new signing, it's not necessarily a great idea to immediately yeah. bring in a guy who's not been in the Prem before. And he's you know coming off the Eredivisie, which is a very different league from the Prem. Yeah. So it's easier to get those guys adapted to the style of play as a sub so they can come on fresh. Right. So... Uh, whether he should have started or not, I think he should have just for this game. But you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know. Right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put that on on Ola, um, just yet. Um, oh no. We'll talk about that maybe in later episodes. Um, I can't wait for the rumor mill to start about the managers again. Oh man, just get, literally give it like next week, <laughs> and it'll be back on. It's a never-ending um, nightmare. Yeah, but a fun one. A fun nightmare. Um, uh, for you, yes. <laughs> uh, as far as Crystal Palace goes, um, yeah, they looked really good. Uh, Jeffrey Schlup, he played really well. Uh, he assisted the first one. Um, Zahar played well. Again, he isolated Lindelof and Maguire a lot. And sometimes he, he, was, he took the ball and he dribbled it. And he, like, attacked them, but he didn't attack them really well. I think if Zaha was a little bit more on his game, he would have scored maybe gotten his hat trick um and the only other person the only other player i wanted to talk about crystal palace is their new signing uh Eberechi eze hmm. um he's he's a wingman uh plays on the left side or he did wing when he man. came on wingman um <laughs> i let's see where did they buy i think they bought him he's a qpr player he's yeah qpr player queen's park ranges i think I think having another outlet similar to Zaha playing on the wing will take away um, the attention that most defenders give to Zaha and Ayu, and yeah. it's just going to make more space for them to, to again, attack those uh, center backs like they want to. I think he's a great signing. He's only I think he's only um, been subbing on uh, this week and last week, so he hasn't started yet. But he could be a super good asset if he can take runners away and let Zaha have that space. Um, and maybe we're looking at Zaha having a, a 10-plus goal season. Uh, um, yeah, just kind of when I was thinking of uh, Zaha finally getting more of these goals in, I just think of that Michael Jordan meme when he's smoking a cigar and he just says, and I took it personally. And I took that personally, yeah. As like everyone's been telling him like, he didn't score as many goals last year as he did from the year before. And he's like, okay. I'm taking that personally. And now he's, you know... Or literally any time he plays Man U. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's just a fight against a former club. He got no 
you know, real chances at. So it's just kind of like, well, you know, if you guys don't want me, I'll just, you know, push your literal shit in. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I, I, I think if he develops that nice partnership with Eze, um, he can definitely have a a pretty good season. Uh, the season that most people think he should have had, um, or he should be having normally. Right. And I, I feel like with these three, with Jordan Ayu, Eze, and Zaha, this could be a real dark horse front three. Like it really take start to uh, take shape. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you if they have that solid mid- midfielder of um, Milivojevic and and the McCarthy and MacArthur. Um, they have some problems at the, in the defense. I think they had to move Kuyate to center back, but um, he played relatively well. Um, I don't know. It seems it seems like Roy Roy Hodgson is kind of slowly figuring things out over there. Yeah, not a lot of people gave him a lot of credit for when they offered him the job, but he's kind of I know proven I a lot of people wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's good to see too. Crystal Palace, you know, they're they're not. I don't think they're definitely not going to be pushing for top eight, but you know, it's nice to see. They'll give a lot of teams a run for their money. I think. Yeah, it's nice to see a club that has struggled in the past. Um, kind of maybe move into a, a nice, better midfield uh, or uh, middle-of-the-table direction. Right. Um, anything on that on that matchup, Hamez? Uh, that was it for me. Cool. Um, next up here is uh, another significant um, scoreline from this past weekend. Everton uh, 5, uh, West Brom 2. Everton looked super good. Everton, yeah, Everton looked super good. I, <laughs> I was, I don't know, man. I really like James being over there, especially with Ancelotti. I, they have they've had this like recurring thing where they just meet up wherever they go, and it usually ends up working out to the best of both of their careers. Um, he looked good. He scored. He he looked like a he looked like that silky midfielder that we saw at the World Cup with Colombia. Yeah, he really and, does. Uh, and you know, just having that again, having Docore handle most of the defensive midfield work, um, and then you have Dominic Calvert Lewin who got his hat trick. You know, who's mm-hmm. like who's like a numbers a number like he's just a true number nine. Like he'll he'll be there for the tap ins. He's he's big uh he'll go up for the headers he can challenge them like he's a true number nine i think all this mixed together makes for a very hopeful everton season yeah i think they're definitely going to finish higher than they did last year as long as you know like warranted there's no significant injuries or you know something crazy were to happen there but you know it looks like they're finally starting to hit their stride a little bit and enchilotti's brought in guys that he wants to see play and like a lot of these guys are that are supposed to shine are starting to shine a little bit more. So, I mean, there could be a pretty decent team to contend with. But I will say I will put an asterisk on this result because they did play West Brom, and their defense is absolute poo poo. <laughs> yeah, very true. Uh, but I will, Hamas. This has been the second game that he's played well in, so it gives me hope. Uh, and they won and their like, first game, right? Yeah. It was like a 1-0. Who who'd they play again? Um I forgot. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but 
like I, I mentioned this a little earlier, but with Thiago at Liverpool, um, I think oh, it's against Tottenham. Oh yeah, it was against Tom. They won one nothing. Yeah. Um, again, I I think it's in between James and Thiago for for signing of the season. I know we're two games in. Get off my back, all right. But I'm just saying, like they look, they've Thiago didn't really look too hot. But again, he's only had a day and a half in training. I think by the end of the season, we'll we'll be talking about. I mean, I think we'll be talking about these two throughout the season. Yeah, um, I. I think uh, I may want to throw another name in there because I kind of forgot Ooh, yeah. I forgot to uh, add them onto the sheet. But Tottenham, with the signing of Gareth Bale, could potentially be you know one of the signings of the season as well. I mean, they just curb stomped Southampton five two as well. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, I think we'll get into transfers a little bit later uh, right. in in the episode. But I agree with you. Um, Bale to back to Tottenham just makes so much sense, and it, it does, especially for just his career and having. Such a terrible relationship. They just turned sour there at Real Madrid, which I feel like yeah. a lot of players who play there eventually get to that point. He was just at that point where he just needed to leave. Um, but speaking on Tottenham, Hyungman Son doing what Hyungman Son does best, scoring absolute golosos, and Harry Kane making the score sheet as well. But you know, Hyungman Son scoring four, crazy. Yeah, and I think I think they're all they were all assisted by Harry Kane. So Harry Kane got. Four assists and a goal. Yeah, he did. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, it, it was it was crazy. I didn't watch the game. It was it was it was hella early, but it was uh just like seeing that connection and against Southampton too. It wasn't even against like a newly promoted team. It like this Southampton team we know can be really well drilled defensively and offensively. So to see that score line was just like whoa. Like what what happened? You know. And I, I read a little bit into it. Uh, apparently, Southampton were playing such a high line, but they weren't pressing very well. So just Tottenham took advantage of that all the way, and they just got in behind over and over and over again. And uh, yeah. it, it wasn't a very good showing from um, from Hasenhutl's side. Which um, is very surprising, because that does not happen very often. Yeah, and I think in our, in our uh, Premier League recap, uh, go listen to that if you haven't, um, from last Ooh. season... We said we had very high hopes for the Southampton side. But again, I think one of our biggest issues with them is just the inconsistency. Um, and they've, they've proven that again here. You know, are, are they a mentally enough strong side to kind of get past those inconsistencies? Yeah, just to try and break through that top half of the table. Yeah. Which I, I don't know if they're there yet. But, you know, it's still very early on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll definitely see how they how they pan out throughout the season. Um, not a lot of new faces coming in, uh, but also not a lot of new faces going out either. So pretty right. consistent side. We just got to see what they're up for. Uh, I think uh, we should move on to the last bullet point for the prem. Uh, I just wanted to touch on the new teams in the league, excluding Leeds because we already touched on them. But West Brom. And Fulham, I think, are candidates to just go straight back down again. Just because they, did, they didn't do a great job equipping their teams to fight in the Prem. I mean, after West Brom got stomped, they their idea of reinforcing their defense is bringing back Ivanovic. If anybody oh remembers him. <laughs> that, but that, love. that is a stock FIFA panic buy career mode. Like that's, <laughs> I would do that a hundred percent if I was like, "Oh my God, with West Brom," and it's like the last day, and I'm like, "Oh my God, I got like ten hours left." Ivanovic, 
yeah. Hell Get yeah. in there, I'll man. Pay, I'll pay $3 million for him, <laughs> and I'll give him a, a super shitty contract and come play for me. Um, it's Yeah, it's – I mean, and also it's like you got to wonder if you're going out there and uh, your kits look like Norwiches, um, maybe it's not the best idea, you know. Maybe, mm. maybe you are doomed because uh, they had those really ugly yellow and green kits. Yeah, I've never um, been a big fan of those. They had those last year, I think, when they were in the championship. Yeah, I think that was uh, it. Was like it was the same colors, but I think it was just like their away kit or something like that. Yeah. Either way, really ugly. Um, it doesn't really have anything to do with their football, but their football is really ugly too. I mean, um, if you if your kits look bad, you're gonna play bad. That's uh, that's the saying. All right. Yeah, you gotta look fresh before you I get. Definitely did dirty. not just make that up. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I thought you did, but if you're being <laughs> honest. I appreciate that too. Uh, no, I agree with you though. Um, Fulham and Fulham and West Brom are definitely two big candidates to to kind of take everything down. And um, I think once uh, Fulham goes down, Mitrovic is going to be for sale and going to some prem team. But definitely thought he was going to do that last time they got relegated. He can yeah, definitely very, be an asset to a, uh, you know like a like a Wolves or you know. Um, Tottenham, they need a backup striker for for Kane. Why not go out and get Mitrovic? You know. Yeah, that'd be a solid pickup for anybody, honestly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, anything else on any of the other games in in the Premier League this weekend, Hamas? Uh, no, that's it for me, dog. Cool. So in this segment, uh, we're calling it around the grounds. We're actually gonna try to talk about some more leagues outside of the Premier League. Uh, big. Um, score lines in those leagues, or just any other observations that uh, we feel like making. So next up here um, is PSG. PSG picked up their first uh, win against Nice. I think it was today. Um, yeah, it was. Mbappe on the score sheet. He's back from testing positive for coronavirus. Um, but again, they they lost their first two games where they didn't have Di Maria, Neymar, or Mbappe. Um. And I don't, I don't really know about PSG. You know, I think again when when we talked about um, the Champions League final review, we said that they're they're gonna be that Barca, or we're gonna they're gonna be that Juventus where they look to their main guys. And what happens when they when their main guys either don't play or aren't up to it? Um, and then I think you saw what what that's gonna look like. I think you saw what that means. Their first two games of the season, they lost. Yeah, and I mean, I wrote down in the bullet point that they look soulless without their attacking three. I mean, Icardi's still, still there. Icardi's class, man. Like I don't. He is. I don't know. I don't. I. I definitely don't. He definitely brings something different than obviously Mbappe and Neymar. But like, he you should still be, you know, like scoring the way you do without them. I mean, you can just kind of tell that all their offensive production is solely based off Mbappe, Di Maria, and Neymar. I mean, outside of that, like their midfield's not really creating much. I mean, it's set up as like a defensive, as it is uh, as a defensive front in front of their actual back line, with like Marquinhos and like you know some of the other midfielders there. But once the ball gets in that, in the hands of those three up front, then they're the ones who produce. You know, like get open. You know, break it, uh, break open with their pace and put balls in the box. And without that, they they don't really look like much. So I mean, without those three, they look 
<laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's I I think this kind of lands on Thomas Tuchel Tuchel. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, I think it kind of lands on him because he has all these options. It's not like it's not like PSG just invested in the starting eleven and then and then they said all right, peace out. Like they have a a nice you know kind of full complete squad. Um, I think it also comes down to the coaching. Like you know you know you're not gonna have these players. You know some this might happen again. They might test positive again. They might get injured. You know we know Neymar is injury prone. Um, you know, but what happens if Mbappe and Neymar are missing again? I think you, as a coach, you know, he's considered one of the, one of the best right now, I would say. You have the resources to kind of fix this. So, you know, do your job. Uh, you know, do your job a little better. Um, try not to just be so reliant on those two guys that whenever they don't appear, you, you play like every other league on team and with uh psg struggling they're they're the kind of team that's so successful that they always are going to have a target on their back so if they let up for a second whoever they're playing that week is always coming into that stadium ready to go they're going to come with whatever they can to just throw at you to somehow get a result and if you're not up for it and like if they're so reliant on mbappe and neymar and they just kind of show up for the game they're gonna get it they're gonna get clowned which they yeah. did for the first two weeks. It just be, it's just so apparent and kind of sad, honestly, to look at. But, you know, it's another week. They got Mbappe back. They're starting to win again. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, and actually, I was I was mistaken. They picked up their second win. It was their second win against um, today. Uh, and they are – they have two wins and two losses. Um Number one in league on right now is actually Saint Saint at the end, three wins and a draw. So they haven't lost a game yet. Renz is also looking pretty good. Uh, we talked about Eduard Mendy um, going to Chelsea, um, but Renz are in second right now. PSG sit in seventh with uh, two wins and two two losses. So we'll see how they bounce back. Um, I remember a couple of years ago Juventus had a really awful start to the season and then they came back and they won it because they are the best team in Serie A. So. I I don't doubt that that will happen this season with PSG. They could very well come back and they could go on a tear and they could win the league. But it's again, it's like you know, how how much are you relying on these guys? You know, and is that going to be your downfall like it is for Barca? Right. I think it very well may be, but you know, time will tell. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um Moving on, uh, start of the Bundesliga was this weekend. Um, first game, it was on Friday, Bayern Schalke. Um, I don't know if y'all watched that game, but it was brutal. I I kind of knew Schalke was going to be really struggling this year. And, of course, when you were up against, you know, the Champions League winning Bayern, having, like, the only, you know, person that they lost this year was Thiago. <laughs> they're going to get ran over, which they, they definitely did get ran over, conceding eight goals. They just had no fight. I mean, Schalke over the years has kind of been slowly picked apart for its ability to, you know, build up talent like Julian Draxler, Leroy Sané, um, Huntelaar. I mean, you could go on and on about all the kinds of players that came through Schalke. 
and started there, and they have not been able to produce like they used to. And, you know, even losing guys like Weston McKinney, who's, you know, one of their uh, backbone, one of their pieces of their backbone, and you don't even bother to replace him. I mean, the club, I think it's getting, I think it's getting run into the ground. And well, it's kind of sad the, to see. Oh, go for it. I was just going to say it. It's pretty sad to see such a prestigious German club just really starting to fall off like this. Yeah, that's uh, it's definitely like very concerning, and also they're financially they're in like a really tough spot. Apparently, they're like hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, which is why I think they can't replenish the guys that they sell. That's why they couldn't get anyone to replace McKinney, you know. And I think their squad is, besides McKinney, just about the same as last year. And last year they didn't do too hot either, so. I think the club's in a really tough spot, and if they they keep going the way they did as a continuation of last year, I think we might see them battling out the relegation fight. You know. Yeah, I I would definitely put them as one of the prime candidates to being relegated this season. But you know, it's week one. You play up against a uh, a Bayern on very very high morale coming out the gate shooting, and. I mean, it's unfortunate, but, you know, you got your Byron game out of the way, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, you, you're good until the second half of the season. Right. Um, no, Byron, I mean, they were on another level, man. Uh, Sané started, apparently he wasn't even fully fit, but he clocked the fastest speed on the pitch. Uh, he assisted Nabry, he scored. I really miss Sané, <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, he's just gonna come over here. And he's just gonna win more titles, and he's gonna just—he's just gonna keep gathering that clout. And I think this season we're gonna see a lot of what he did at City, which is attack, score goals, and assist as much as he can. Um, I don't think Bayern are gonna have a problem winning the league this season. No, um, and I think for the contenders. The, the ones that would actually uh, have a chance of beating Bayern and jump under our next talking point is Dortmund playing uh, Mönchengladbach and Dortmund uh, winning that game 3-0. Yeah, Dortmund had a lot of uh, a lot of their youth on display. Um, you know, they had uh, Bellingham, he started uh, and he assisted. Um, Holland scored a penalty and he also scored another one. Sancho assisted Holland second and our boy... Who we haven't talked about really all that much, but we should. Gio Reyna, he scored the very first one that Bellingham assisted. Yeah, so, he looks he looks great, dude. He looks the part. I, I, I kind of, I kind of. It, it reminds me of like when Timothy Weah was kind of coming up, and it's not like Timothy Weah fell off. He's had his injury problems at Lille, so he hasn't been able to get as much playing time as he as he wants, especially behind Dossiman last season. Mm-hmm. But. Um, Reyna got his chances last season. He's getting his chances in the in the cup games, and I think hopefully this is a sign that says that he's going to be in the team sheet. Hopefully, you know if he keeps performing every week. I think he will. I mean, like a bunch of his teammates are singing his praises week in and week out, and he's just going to be you know making making things difficult for Lucien Favre to like you know get him onto the get him onto the team sheet. I mean, uh, a lot of people were surprised about Bellingham last year, how a lot of teams all of a sudden started going out to get his signature. Like the likes of, you know, Man United and some of the other teams in the Prem. And then he goes on and signs for Dortmund for, you know, a bunch of money. 
and he gets his first start and he assists, and everyone sees like, oh, this kid is you know pretty legit. I yeah. mean, uh, Dortmund's just doing their thing of stockpiling young talent and just putting them out on display for all to see. Yeah, and, that, and that's what they do best. You know, like that's that's what Dortmund has been known for. They they attract young talent. I mean, look at all these like, <laughs> look at all these, uh, look at the age of all these guys that were on either the score sheet or assisted. Like they're all under what twenty one. I think Sancho is under twenty. Yeah, I think Sancho's barely well, aside from twenty. Sancho, yeah. Uh, Holland, uh, Gio Reyna's like seventeen. Holland is like nineteen. Bellingham's what seventeen too. Like, yeah, I it's crazy so. the amount of production that they get from these young guys. Um, but again, it's just it's not enough to to kind of challenge Bayern. Mostly bad for not showing up for those games. Oh my god, the 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 derbies between them, Dortmund are just like ghosts. They're like just non-existent you know it's they're they need to learn how to pick their heads up and, and play against the, the big boy in the league because that's the only way you're going to even have a remote chance of winning the league right i mean it's the same case for much and gladback last year too because i think they took one of the games against byron and then byron hit that crazy run of like 25 consecutive wins including like champions league run and uh, even the games that led into the Deutsche Pokal, and they, you know, won the domestic treble. Yeah, it's just like you have to beat Bayern. If you don't, then you're just gonna get ran over. Yeah, and again, this is this is kind of how every Bundesliga season starts. They the, both of these teams start really well, and then you see what they're really made of in that first um, in that first derby. And normally, it's gone towards Bayern by a significant amount. I mean, Bayern win these games. Like four nil, five nil. It's crazy. I mean, the last one they played was uh, it was just a one nil, but it was that uh, uh, that uh, Kimmel uh, chip shot. Oh yeah, that was good over Berkey, which Ooh, he probably should have saved. But you know, it's just like time and time again in recent history, it's just been all Bayern in those games. So until they link up and play against each other, I think. It'll be hard to tell which one is going to take away the league this year. But my money's yeah. on Bayern. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but again, really excited to see what these Dortmund youngsters do in the season as well as in Champions League. Um, but, yeah. Uh, last talking point on, around the grounds is we're going to talk a, a little bit about the Mexican League. Liga MX, Liga MX. Um, I'm, uh, I'm kind of surprised it took us this long to talk about the Mexican League. If I'm gonna be honest, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know we're we're a little behind. Um, so the Liga MX is in their Apertura season. Um, so for those that aren't really w well aware of it, it's kind of a really funky system. Um, it's used mostly in Central and South American leagues, uh, where they have it's kind of like a spring and a winter season, uh, Apertura and the Clausura, um, and the seasons aren't that long. Uh, they go into like a playoff style at the end where the uh, I think the top eight teams play against each other and then that's how you determine the champion. Um, and so there is a, cha a new a newly crowned champion after every I would I would call it quote unquote mini season. Um, I think it, there's only about twenty some games per season, uh, so it makes for a really short, um, really short season and. Um, yeah, the the most significant game out of this weekend was America versus uh, Chivas. 
The um, uh, El Super Clásico. Del Super Clásico, yeah. Uh, these teams notorious for hating each other. Um, Chivas hasn't looked too hot uh, in the past couple of years. Uh, they're kind of going through like a rebuild. America is always going to be a contender for a champion in Liga Mekis. Um, and America ended up winning this one. Uh, one nothing. Uh, goal by Giovanni Dos Santos. It was a um, pretty good goal, too. Yeah, which if you haven't heard that name in a while, uh, it's pretty fair because he hasn't <laughs> been really doing anything. Yeah, I mean, ever since he kind of went to LA Galaxy, he's kind of fallen off quite a bit, I would say. Definitely yeah, not as it, uh, well known as he was when he was younger, I would think. Yeah, but it looks like he's picking up his form back at um, America, uh, which is good to see. The league is about 10 games in for most clubs. Uh, Club America are sitting in second. Uh, first place is Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul is notorious for choking at the end of the season. <laughs> and whether that's in playoffs or whether that's to determine uh, the first through eight seeds, they are very notorious for just like not finishing out seasons to the to the to the best of their abilities. So they're sitting in, in first right now. They have eight wins, one draw, two losses. They look they looked apart, the but again, it, I don't think we'll <laughs> I don't really think we'll see that implosion until probably the the playoffs start. We can kiss all of our uh, Cruz Azul listeners goodbye. Uh, I love you. Cruz Azul is great. Um, uh, please listen to us. <laughs> and it's funny uh, talking to one of our uh, buddies, Luis. Uh, shout out to Luis Chavez. Um, shout out to him. He listens to us every week. Shout out, Luis. Even though we literally play FIFA with you every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny to hear him uh, talk about uh, Liga MX. Just uh, just the amount of hatred that every team has for one another. It's just kind of like a uh, like a tier list of who they hate the most. But everyone just hates each other, so it's almost like every game is a derby in its in its in its own. <laughs> every so game it's is just a derby, like, yeah. It's just so funny. I mean, like it's so it's like an emotional watch to watch these teams play. I mean, it's even more emotional, obviously, when the fans are in the stands. But it's just like a different kind of. I, I hate to use the word vibe. But it's, it's just kind of like a different vibe just because these fans have such a love for their clubs. It's vibe, that, bro. like, you know, seeing goals getting scored, you see people weeping in the stands and just, like, going absolutely crazy. It's it's a different it's a different watch. Yeah, the, the, the passion and the, and the fans in general, I would say it's, it's more closely, you can see it more in, like, the Bundesliga, I would say. Because uh, Bundesliga yeah. fans are, are wild, they're nuts too. Um, but as far as like you know, they they have out they're out there with like drums, they're banging on drums, they're like chanting the literally the entire game. It's yeah, literally those just like trumpets a, in the stands too. Yeah, like it's a wild <laughs> time. Um, you know, if if you haven't uh, seen much of the Liga MX, but you want to see a taste of it, I would say go look up the America versus Chivas um, recap. Uh, and you'll really be able to see just how how intense the games are. Um, it was it was a very good game. Uh, Ochoa doing Ochoa things again. If God, you haven't heard bless, that name bless in a that while, man. bless, bless that man, God bless Ochoa. All right, the man should have earned a move to like some Premier League team, in my opinion. But 
after all these years, he's still doing some amazing things over at America, and he's he's a big reason why America won that uh, won won this game uh, against Chivas. Oh yeah, for sure. So uh, before we jump away from uh, around the grounds, what what Mexican team do you think you gravitate toward the most, Julio? This is a tricky one, cause it's not like I'm from any one region of uh, Mexico. I'm Salvadoran. Uh, shout out to, um, oh my God, Alianza. Their name. Shout out to Alianza. That's my. Oh team my God! Right How did I get that before you did? Shut up, James. <laughs> I'm going to cut this part out. <laughs> Please don't. No, I won't. Um, <laughs> um, my my dad lived in Mexico for a good bit, and he was a big fan of Leon. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he was uh, – I've kind of gravitated towards Leon. I keep up with them. Um, but, I, again, it's not like I'm a super big fan. Um, and I remember a couple FIFAs back, I think like FIFA, like, 15 or 16 i really like playing with pumas um yeah you always used to pick pumas all the time <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. i don't know they, they had a really good squad they're very consistent too um but again i'm not it's not like i'm a super big fan of either of them uh but i would say i would gravitate more towards those two like in the in the app that i have that like um shows me like games and leagues and stuff i have those mm-hmm. two marked um for you know whenever they play on the scores of those two teams and they're right. they're they're, those two are doing pretty hot right now. Pumas is in third, Leon is in fourth. Um, but I would say I would gravitate more towards those two teams. Okay. Okay. How about how about you, Hamas? You thinking about becoming a, a fan of any one particular Liga next team? I I would like to. I'm having a hard time uh, picking just one to kind of be a big fan of because obviously you know like I'm not from Mexico. Like I don't I don't know any of the areas. Like I don't necessarily have like any any uh what's the word i don't have any pull toward one team or the other but i find myself watching monterey quite a lot just because i love i love their stadium so much and like where the location's at yeah their stadium is wild it's like one of the prettiest grounds i've ever seen (laughs) and i just love uh a lot of the players that have come out of monterey in recent years and they've become quite a dominant force and I've also always had a soft spot for Tijuana. Oh uh, yeah, the uh, the Cholos. Yeah, uh, I've always had a soft spot for them. They've they've always been an interesting team. I don't think they've had that much success, but you know, I they had a couple American players play there for a while, so I kind of had like a soft spot for that. And but I think Monterrey kind of squeaks by a little bit. So I definitely need to be. I definitely need to watch more games. To kind of narrow it down, but yeah, I think Monterey is going to be my choice. Yeah, um, Cholos uh, usually just hang around like mid table, I think. Um, but they're a super solid club. Uh, fun fact: the Cholo um, X O L O is actually a reference to the dog on the crest. Um, that's what the 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 breed or the name of the dog is called. Um, yeah, it's a little a little fun fact for y'all. Isn't that kind of like a Chihuahua? No. Is it not? No, no, no. The dog, the the cholo dog, is like a a kind of a mean looking. Uh, it's a dog that they have on the crest, but it's not. It's not like a tiny dog. Oh, I always thought it was like a chihuahua looking thing. <laughs> no, no, they're they're pretty mean looking dogs. I think they're like, they're uh, I don't know. They're supposed to like 
guide you or something like that. I don't know. There's some like folklore hmm. about uh, cholos in uh, Mexico. Um, I think it's uh, safe to say we can kiss uh, Cruz Azul fans and Tijuana fans uh, goodbye now. <laughs> no, I love I love cholos. <laughs> I, you're the one who said they looked like chihuahuas. Uh, I'm blaming myself for this one for the <laughs> for the cholos. Comment. All right, fine. I'll take the fall for Cruz Azul. You take the fall for cholos. Either way, still listen to us. Leave us a rating and review. <laughs> um, yeah, so now we're just going to, for the last little bit of the podcast, we're going to get back into some transfer news. Um, we haven't really seen, actually, no, that's a complete lie. We've seen a bunch of really good <laughs> transfers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've seen a bunch of really good transfers over these past couple weeks. Um, you want to take it away, Hamas? Uh, sure. Uh, the one we originally have starting is the first bullet point. I think I'm going to save to the end, just so we can kind of get through the big stuff first. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, for Tottenham, uh, had some big news signing uh, one of the fullback defenders who was playing at Sevilla last year. Is an actual Real Madrid player, but now he's going to be loaned in. I, no, I think he's going to get purchased by Tottenham. Uh, Rigolan. Yeah, um, close. Rigolan. Um, with an E. No, that was good, though. You rolled your R's and everything. I'm so proud of you, Hamas. Wow, thank you um, so much. <laughs> Thanks, Julio. Hey, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> um, no, like we mentioned, uh, Reguilon was one of the standout uh, guys in that Sevilla backline. Um, and that Sevilla backline is, is full of really good players. You have Reguilon, you have... Um, uh, Diego Carlos, the center back. Um, you have, uh, I think, Jonas Kunde, who is the other center back. Um, and then Ocampos. Uh, it's a super solid back line. But the fact that Reguilon stood out throughout all of last season in the champion or in the Europa League as well, um, very, very good pickup for Tottenham. Uh, the only thing I don't like, which is uh, why I think he didn't go to Man U, is because uh, t- or. Real Madrid have a buyback clause on him. Right. the He was linked to Manu first. And from the rumor mill floating around is Manu wanted to outright buy him fully to join the club. To kind of start as uh, our left back, which I think would have been a great addition to the team. To take out Luke Shaw for the time being. Um, but they did not, they would not steer away from a buyback clause. Which could be a double-edged sword for whoever picks him up, which is now Tottenham. Because, I mean, if you start to rely on him as your, you know, first choice left back and he has a great season, I mean, he could potentially just be gone in a flash and you have nothing to say about it. So, you know, hopefully it works out for Tottenham. Uh, this could be a one and done for them. Uh, but I think he's he's a solid pickup. We're going to have to see how he does in this Tottenham lineup. Um, but there's actually one more signing for Tottenham that we need to discuss. The signing of the golden boy himself, Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale returns to Tottenham. It's crazy. I love this move. I I do too. I think it's great for, for everyone involved. It's a loan move. Um, I don't know if they have some sort of clause uh, at the end of the loan move that lets them that lets Tottenham buy him. Um, but either way, I think uh, I mean Tottenham didn't play for this guy, so they just have to pay a significant amount of his wages but you know he's back at his old club he loved playing for them he's gone on the press and he's he's saying i i, I want to be here i want to you know kind of reinvigorate my my career under jose Mourinho. 
under the performance that they had today, 5-2 against Southampton, I think is looking up really good for, for Tottenham right now. Yeah, I, it got to a point for uh, Gareth Bale. He was starting to lose a lot of the Real Madrid fandom, which I think it, it was incredibly unfair to him just because of the work that he's put in. And he, he was there for seven years. Yeah, he was there for I a mean, long time. He won so many league titles. He won so many Copa del Reyes. He won European competitions with them. I mean, everybody remembers his moment from one of the Champions League finals. Actually, there's two good moments I can think of off the top of my head. Is bicycle kick against Juventus. Oh, yeah. And so and then the uh, that through ball he played to himself where he outran uh, what's-his-face. Oh, oh, the uh, right back. And he, like, literally yeah, and he smoked him. Yeah, I think, well, I, I actually think the, the bicycle kick was against uh, Liverpool in their Champions League finals. Oh, that's right. The, I'm thinking of the Ronaldo. Uh, yeah, the Ronaldo bicycle. against Juve that kind of set off him going to Juve. Right. Um, yeah, no, and um, that, yeah, and that, I, I every now and then I see a, a, that video of him just knocking it past Alba. He go <laughs> Bale literally runs off the pitch like through the sideline and just still out sprints Alba um, and then gets there for the goal. Like that's just smoked I, him. I think he's world class, man. I, I don't I don't doubt that he'll have a good season this this season with Tottenham. I just think for him at Real Madrid, once Ronaldo left, I think there was a a very ridiculous expectation of him taking over as the next big guy, which I don't think he's that kind of guy for Real Madrid team. Real Madrid needs a lot of help in other <laughs> other places than just needing a new Ronaldo. Uh, but the fans started to turn on him. It was not very good. Uh, he lost uh, the favor of the coaches for some reason. I, I couldn't... I couldn't tell you. I mean, he had to basically ride on the whole, uh, what ended up turning into a meme, the uh, Wales Golf Real Madrid yeah, snafu, which, I mean, he was just playing along with it at that point because I think he realized that, you know. It's a joke, man. Yeah, it, like was, he, a, it was a joke. He knew he wasn't being taken seriously. He knew that he wasn't going to get any playing time under Zidane at the last half of last season. I, I think he, I mean, he's been seeing the writing on the wall, which is what he tried to leave last summer, but they blocked it. But they blocked it just for him to stay on the bench and for the for Real Madrid to pay all his wages for him doing nothing. I don't know. I think this is kind of shady on, on Real Madrid's part, um, not letting him move and just letting him sit on the bench. Zidane has come out and he's like, I have no problem with Bale. Obviously, something's wrong, man. Like, you're not fooling anyone here. Yeah, no, Zidane's very bad at hiding about who he likes and who he doesn't. Yeah, um, it's it's ridiculous what they what they try to do to him and 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 block him block his move and just let him sit on the bench for no reason. He's such a talented player, man. He should not be sitting on the bench or he should not be riding second to Asensio or or Vasquez. Right. I I mean as a as a guy who's watched the Prem and I watched him play at Tottenham and a lot of people will attest for this. It's it's finally great to see him going back to a, a team that's actually going to love him for the player that he is and really give him the support system that he needs. And just to see good old Gareth Bale again, just playing the insane level that he does. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think, I mean, both of these moves alone, Regalon and Bell, kind of announced within the same day of each other. Mm -hmm. um, you know, combined with... Uh, 
Matt Doherty, uh, the fullback that they got from Wolves. And then who else did they pick up? They picked up one more person. Oh, um, uh, Hoiberg. Hoiberg? Hoiberg? Oh, yeah, Hoiberg. Hoiberg. Yeah, they picked him up from Southampton, I think, on a free. Um, I think all those – it's only four transfers, but I think that kind of automatically kicked Tottenham up to have one of the best transfers in, in – or one of the best transfer windows in the Premier League, this, this transfer window. Yeah, I would agree. 100%. Um, you know, they have two brand-new fullbacks who one has been proven in the Premier League in um, Doherty. The other one has absolutely balled out Sevilla last season, and you know he can play big games. Um, and then, you know, you have your your star player, um, Bale, back. You know, I, I think I think it's I, I think it's looking very good for Tottenham this season, especially throw... after that, that first uh, – <laughs> that – kind of horrible game that they had against Everton in the season. Over. Yeah. I mean, you throw Bale into that front three of human son and Harry Kane, like, oh, Jesus Christ. Fire. Just absolute fire. 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 <laughs> I'm yeah. scared. We'll see what, the, we'll see how they do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to watch Tottenham and see how those players get, uh, get along. Yeah. Same here. Um, next up here is um liverpool uh we already talked a little bit about their signing of tiago um he made his debut today um, let me just other- reiterate one more time the amount of money they paid for tiago is stupid low yeah that yeah, like, that's the steal that's the bargain of the season yep by far up there up there with james um but oh me no not you um <laughs> uh no, but yeah the other signing is um, Diogo Jota. Um, yeah, that signing came out of nowhere, and that costed. Uh, it was like forty mil. In, it was in, like forty-five, I think. After all their like add-ons and installments and stuff like that, which is pretty pricey for uh, a winger that has kind of played behind Triore and and uh, who? What's his name? The striker. Uh, Raul Jimenez. Yeah, Raul Jimenez. Yeah, um, kind of a lot of money. Uh, his his numbers his numbers are pretty solid, but they're I don't I don't think they kind of justify that price tag. Um, and also how how he'll fit into this Liverpool squad. You know, is he is he gonna is he gonna kind of fight Mane and and Salah for their spots? Is he is he gonna maybe meet? Be deployed more in the midfield, play right behind Firmino. I don't know how how is that going to work with what Liverpool have going for them already. Um, if I were to take a stab at this, he's going to kind of turn into what Minamino's become as kind of like a super sub for like if any of the wingers are gassed or Firmino needs a break. Firmino even came on as a sub to, today as a sub for Firmino as a false nine, and he didn't really get that much playing time to really see if he could play that role, but. I mean, you're basically paying forty-five million for a substitute, yeah, which may be a little unfair to say. But with that front three, none of, he's not starting. No, he's he's not taking away anyone's spot um, anytime soon. And he he didn't he wasn't even like a very consistent starter for Wolves. No, um, not really. So kind of kind of an odd move from Liverpool's part. Um, like you mentioned, yeah, it's kind of like you're paying for you're paying a lot of money for a sub, which. You know, teams have done that before. Um, good old Wilford Boney to Man City. Uh, <laughs> good old Wilford Boney. 
Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll see how Jota kind of uh, fits into to the whole Liverpool scheme. Um, but yeah. Very interesting move. Yeah, and uh, the last one that we got listed here is uh, Gonzalo Higuain um, at Inter Miami now, along Another, with his, uh, uh, yeah, along with his Juventus uh, teammate Blaise Matuidi. Yeah, this is again the last time we talked about uh, MLS transfer. This is the most <laughs> MLS transfer ever, along with Blaise Matuidi. I mean, I think. David Beckham's really trying to create another LA Galaxy kind of situation because you have Los Angeles as being, you know, the city of stars. That's why they, you know, dub themselves as the LA Galaxy. And then you have another big city with, you know, big nightlife really known for its, you know, kind of like the young people inside the city. It's just like a younger city. Like these are all like your big party spots. The sports teams too, you know. Yeah, big sports too. And then you just want to make Miami just a really big, conglomerate soccer power in the United States and you just got to bring in the big guys like Gonzalo Higuain, Blasma Tweedy, Rodolfo Pizarro and like <laughs> I mean all their money is going to go to those three guys alone and then you just kind of fill in the rest of the spots and see how the team plays I mean so far with only uh, Rodolfo Pizarro at this point they got knocked out pretty quickly in the uh, the MLS uh, comeback tournament uh, right. they won their first game like a couple weeks ago and they're like 12 games in like they do not look very good they don't look like a solid unit yet which <sighs> expansion teams are notorious for being very very bad for obvious reasons just because they're bringing yeah. in a, a brand new team that's never played with each other and you expect them to go out there and win aside from like the anomaly that was the chicago fire under bob bradley a long long time ago in atlanta united when they first came into the, into the league but you know, this is a very typical MLS move, but I, I kind of figured that this would be around the time that Gonzalo Higuain would come and play. And that means he's going to have to play against his brother at some point. Uh, what was his uh, brother's name? Federico? Federico Higuain. Which, I don't think he's with Columbus anymore. No, I think... Uh, he's at DC, I maybe. He, I don't know where he's at, but yeah. Um, I always kind of forget that those two are, are siblings. Um, yeah, they have very, very different career paths. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Gonzalo Higuain, um, aging, a lot of people think he's not fit. I think he'll do fine. This is the MLS. He can, he can slack a little bit, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Um, they're paying him the big bucks. It's not like they're not going to start him, you know? Um, even if he's not maybe producing to the best of his ability, I I I doubt that he'll he'll be sitting on the bench for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be just as much of a handful against MLS defenders as anybody else would. I mean, he's still got a really decent you know striking foot for his shots, and he's really just a big body in the box. So, I mean, yeah, and I, I like could see him easily scoring like twenty goals. No problem. Ooh. Hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't think it'll be that much. Um, I think he'll score a couple. I think he'll. I think he'll probably get like ten. But I. I don't see him. You know, winning the golden boot or anything in that. Moment. I mean, if Zardes can hit twenty goals, <laughs> sure. That's true. Higuain could score twenty. <laughs> yeah. That's just me. Yeah. 
But, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Inter-Miami kind of need all the help they, they can get right now. They're not looking too hot. They're relying, again, just on Pizarro. Um, they brought in Plays Matuidi to fortify that midfield, and we'll see how Higuain fares in the MLS, which I don't yeah. see him having that big of a problem. No, it's just going to take time and a little bit more regularity with the seasons. Just, you know, get yeah. some more normalcy after uh, after COVID. But I, yeah. uh, I think that's all we had for today, right? Yes, sir. It was a full docket today. Um, you know, we kind of we kind of hope to bring you the around the grounds uh, more often every episode. Now that all the leagues are in play, or most of the leagues are in play, um, we're definitely gonna switch out some leagues. Uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about the Mexican league again. We might uh, switch it out for the MLS, or we might even switch it out for the Portuguese league, Liga Nos. Um, you know, just to, just to check up on on uh, how they're doing over there. Um, but yeah. Uh, that's all for me. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you, you can go follow us on Twitter at 2Tackle. Um, Hama's Facebook page. Yeah, just look up uh, 2 Footed Tackle Podcast on Facebook. You'll find, us, find, uh, find our page, and you'll see our logo, and you'll find us on there. You can give us a like, leave a comment, do what you want to do. Uh, just give, give us a look. Yeah, um, we're available on all uh, podcast platforms. Uh, leave us a rating and review if you're on Apple Podcasts. We would really, really appreciate that. Um, we're working on some some stickers for y'all. Um, <laughs> you know, if you, if you want to reach out to us, give us a little bit of a message. Um, you know, we're kind of working on uh, maybe giving some stuff away to our solid listeners. Um, which, now that I mentioned that, thank you so much for listening. Again, that's it for me. That's it for me as well. Have a nice, everybody. All right. Goodbye.